Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome to this thing called life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson. Thank you so much for listening. We are beginning to wind down our series, the donation process from the lens of the OPO. And in this series, we've really been exploring step by step how the donation process works and talking to people in the different departments uh, who are involved with the organ procurement organization and the process of donation. So, so far we've talked to people in, again, in our various departments, donation support services, our clinical staff, our tissue recovery staff, our quality, donor family aftercare, family service coordinators. I mean, we've really just kind of walked you through how the donation process unfolds. And there's many, many pieces and facets to it. And so I would encourage you to check out those episodes on our website at lifepassiton.org or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We work with so many different entities to facilitate donation, and it truly takes a community. It's a community of hospitals, hospice staff, where patients pass away, the transplant centers, where organ transplants occur for patients who, quite frankly, uh, are on the brink of death and need a life-saving organ transplant. We work with the United Network of Organ Sharing, which houses that national wait list of those more than 100,000 people waiting for transplants. Oftentimes, we work with the coroner, depending on the manner of death. We work with the funeral home. There's so many people involved in this process, and this could not happen without that community. So again, we just want to dive into that and explain this process again from the OPO perspective. But the other thing I want to remind you is that the bookends of this is the people, the people who designate themselves to be donors or their family who made the decision. This is life-saving, life-changing, and that decision, it, it really just begins with that yes, and that's how everything unfolds. And so, again, the series is to explain more about the OPO's role and our function so that you understand how the gifts of organ, eye, and tissue donation come to be and the intricacies of this life-saving and life-healing process. And then also, if you're thinking about a career change, I know a lot has happened in the last few years, and a lot of people say, you know, I want to do something that maybe has more meaning. I want to give back. This is a wonderful career path. We give back every day. This is a servant kind of role. We're giving back to the community. There's different elements involved in it, but it's really a fascinating field and community to be a part of. And so I just encourage you again to check out the episodes to learn more about the OPO and really learn each aspect of the donation value chain. So we're going to learn today about the financial aspect of donation. And I have with me Marianne Crumpleman, who is our finance manager. Hello, Marianne. Welcome. 
Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so glad you're here. So let's start off with, you know, what led you to Life Center? Great question. Back in 2019, uh, before the world knew the word COVID, (laughs) um, I made a decision to leave the corporate America world. I spent most of my career there and wanted to do something more meaningful, as Mm -hmm. as you just mentioned. A lot Mm -hmm. of folks are doing career changes. Mm -hmm. My decision came before COVID. So I joined Life Center in November of 2020. So I've been here a little over two years, Mm -hmm. and it's been the best decision of my life. Oh, it makes me really happy to hear you say that. And you also, there, there was somewhat of a personal connection that also, I think, influenced you to, to see what this was all about? Correct. Yeah. Uh, about five years ago, my best friend's husband was in need of a kidney. Uh, he was on the wait list and turns out his wife was a match for him, which wow. is very unusual yes. for a non-family member. Mm-hmm. So they went through the transplant process back in June of 2017, and he's doing great today. Wow. So it was just one of those meant to be type of things, mm-hmm. uh, even though that was a living donor situation versus what Life Center deals with. It right. still educated me on the whole process of how many people are waiting for kidneys. Right. And the astounding over 80 yes. percent of the people that are on the wait list. Yes. And so it always makes me smile to know that when I hear stories of people who become living donors just for that reason, because we have so many people on the wait list, most of them need kidneys. And so for someone to step up and be tested and and give that gift, I mean, that just, it really has an impact just that's immeasurable because then, you know, someone else who's waiting, you know, kind of pushes them a little bit further ahead. And so I think that's how we kind of tackle this, this health crisis. We just, we need more living donors. I love that story. So finance and donation, can you talk about what it is that the finance department does in relationship to organ and tissue donation? Sure. So we are a nonprofit organization, but we are a nonprofit that is structured similar to a hospital. So we actually receive revenue from our transplant hospitals. So we send them invoices and then within 30 days, they turn around and send us the the funds for that. Mm -hmm. We then have to take out of those funds, we have to pay all of our employees, Mm -hmm. all of, you know, health insurance, the insurance on the building that we're in, all other vendors that are that are included. Right. And since we take on the cost of donation after a family gives the authorization, we also pay for those costs right. of the of the donor. And I think that's a really important point just to highlight. Some people believe that in order to be a donor that the family then has to absorb the cost and that is actually not the case when a patient begins that recover like goes from being a patient to a donor and the recovery process begins life center or the opo then absorbs the cost for that care of that patient correct so thank you for saying that cuz sure that was a 
one of those things that we hear out in the community and people, you know, think there's a cost associated and there, and there is not. Right. Yeah. So. And a lot of people think a nonprofit, they think of something like the Ronald McDonald House, right, where they do a big gala once a year or twice a year to raise money. Mm-hmm. We do not do that. We receive the funds. Our revenue comes from the transplant hospitals mm-hmm. where the gifts that come from the donor eventually are transplanted into the recipients. Right. And what are some of the other aspects of finance in terms of what what we do? Well, we uh, weekly, we pay all of our vendors. Mm-hmm. So we either pay them by a check or ACH, the mm-hmm. money into their bank account. Uh, every two weeks, we pay our employees. Mm-hmm. Monthly, we prepare financial statements that are reviewed by Barry, our executive director, as well as our finance committee mm-hmm. and our board of directors. Quarterly, we have board meetings and finance committee meetings where all of that information is reviewed. We have an annual budget that we are held accountable to, and that is approved by both finance committee and the board of directors. We have an annual financial audit that is performed by an outside CPA firm. Mm -hmm. So we are independently audited on our financials. And then once a year, we also have a federal report that is due called the cost report. It's a very lengthy report (laughs) that takes several months to put together. And that is submitted in May of each year. And that's basically a report to show the government what our costs are and to make sure that we're not overspending in any particular area. Right. So we're heavily monitored uh, to make certain that we are following all the guidelines mandated by the government. Right. And I think that that's also a great point. We are heavily regulated in all aspects of what we do here. And so obviously with organ and tissue, very much regulated, but also with our finances. And so we do work with the federal government just to ensure that, you know, we are being financially responsible and doing all the things that we need to do to to best serve the community at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, there's a term that some people may not be aware of, but it's called a SAC fee. And so I thought this could be just a good kind of quick education about what that is. Right. That is the fee that we charge the transplant hospital for the gift of an organ, right? Whether it be a lung, a heart, kidney, et cetera. It is a standard charge that the based on our cost report that we file once a year with Medicare, they give us a very small range of what that fee can be charged for that. So in other words, the government does not want our organization to profit or to make money off of our cost of kidney donation and other organ donations. And they also don't want us to lose money. So they want it to be a break-even proposition. So again, that even that fee is monitored by the government mm-hmm. to make sure we don't overcharge the transplant hospitals or conversely undercharge. Okay. So again, just having that in place to ensure that everything is running seamlessly and is a nonprofit. Cool. You know, I think sometimes there's this narrative out there that 
you know, we make all of this money and we do, and that's really not the case. Um, you know, just healthcare in general is so expensive and treatment. And so there is a cost to doing that. And in order to really be effective in our work and serve the community, we have to have to do that. So I think it's important. Can you talk a little bit about the tissue aspect and how the finance piece impacts sure. tissue donation? So we have generally two main processors that we send our tissue gifts to, mm-hmm. and we essentially are paid from them based on the usability, for lack of a better term, right. of those tissue gifts. Mm-hmm. And we are paid based off of a scale in terms of the age and sex of the donor. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very straightforward pay scale as well. Mm -hmm. So we know if we send X amount of skin, for example, to the processor, we can, we know exactly how much we will be receiving in funds for that. And our processors are also nonprofits as well. Correct. So we've always just had that in place because that that's important to us. So what would you say is the most challenging part of what you do? working with people to keep their budgets intact. In <laughs> <laughs> well, we so. we do meet with we do meet with the different department <laughs> managers on a quarterly basis, but to be honest, based on my previous life before coming here to Life Center, every manager here is very conscientious of their budget and they want to stay within the budget guidelines. So we really never have never run into budget overages in the two years that I've been here. So it's a very well-run organization. I could tell that from within the first few days that I was here, just knowing that the financial oversight, uh, Barry, our executive director, is uh, heavily involved in the financial side of it. (laughs) He is. Uh, He has a financial background, which always helps in an organization. So I would say, and that's not even a challenge really in terms of dealing with the managers. I love Mm -hmm. all the managers here. They all, just the unwavering passion that they all have for the overall mission of the organization. Thank you. It's it's wonderful to have Mm -hmm. everyone going in the same direction, moving towards that mission every single day. So you said you came from corporate into this Oregon procurement organization field. Has there been any big aha for you? Like, wow, I didn't know that or? Well, just in terms of, I did not understand how the financials worked. Mm-hmm. I was I was thinking it was a Ronald McDonald type of yes. situation mm-hmm. uh, until coming here and realizing that it was more like a hospital yeah. um, model, business right. model. Probably the biggest, for me, the biggest change is that in a corporate world, every single day, every single meeting that you would have would be about making money mm-hmm. and the bottom line and how much money can we make. Mm-hmm. It was truly a breath of fresh air to come here and to know that the single focus is on the mission mm-hmm. and that every single day we're saving lives, enhancing lives. Yep. It's, it's just wonderful. Just a wonderful feeling to go home at the end of the day. And feel like you made a difference. Exactly. And so I think that's kind of the spirit of everyone that's here. It's like you you come in here and you do the work and, you know, it's it's not easy work. It's challenging, which which I appreciate, but also so rewarding. So what would you say to someone who is thinking about 
a career in nonprofit, but work like working with Life Center or, you know, another organ procurement organization in the finance field? What would be your advice and what what would be the skill set that you think is necessary? Well, you definitely would have to have an accounting degree. Mm-hmm. Which um, I don't have. So don't worry. <laughs> you I'm not coming for your job, Marianne. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> That's good to know. But just, I mean, generally an accounting degree, you don't even have to have experience with accounting specific to nonprofits mm-hmm. because it translates very easily. Debits and credits are still debits and credits right? as, as they are in the corporate world. So it was a very easy transition for me mm-hmm. spending my entire career in the for-profit world. So I would encourage anyone that's looking for a change. Like I said, it was one of the best decisions of my entire life oh. coming here. So, well, that's great. And we, we love working with you. You do a good job. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm not like-minded like that. And just, you know, in terms of thinking about the finances and accounting, but you do such a great job explaining everything and breaking it down in layman's terms. And so, well, thank you. From a journalism major, I really, really appreciate that. <laughs> well, it could, you know, as in any field, IT is kind of the same with me. When when the IT yes. folks, you know, kind of start talking their technical talk, right? It's like, okay, let's let's do it in layman's terms. So yes. I try to I try to do that um, <laughs> to make it easier to understand. Yes. So we appreciate that, and we just appreciate your passion for the mission, and just. You've just been a joy to work with over the past two years and, and just it's been wonderful getting to know you. So looking forward to continuing to Thank grow you. in the organization together. So we're going to wrap up unless there's anything else you feel like our listeners would need to know. Probably the only other thing I wanted to mention is that we do receive a lot of memorial contributions from yes. our donor families, our recipient families, the general public. And part of our fiscal responsibility is to use those dollars that are given to us and entrusted to us to continue to spread the word, to get more people to register to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor. So utilizing those funds is part of the finance department's responsibility to make sure that that we're optimizing yeah. all of those dollars that that people so kindly give to us. Yes. And that is uh, just the the generosity of the community has really been overwhelming to see over the years. People who've been touched by donation in some way often will request in their obituaries if people want, you know, in lieu of flowers, they can make a donation to Life Center. And that really does help fuel the work that we do in the community to be able to educate people about what donation is, uh, what it isn't, um, and really just help people understand the why, you know, why, why it's important to register and how it can help people in the future. So that is a big part of what we do. And we sincerely appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I always like to just give a little, little, say a little something about people that I've been working with or know. And Marianne is like a world traveler. And I just want to be like her when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) She goes on a lot of fun trips. Well, I'm very, I'm very blessed to be able to, uh, to do that. Yeah. And I know not everyone is able to. So 
I try to come back and share my stories and my pictures. And, and we love them. The The Ireland ones were amazing. So keep traveling and keep sharing. So okay. we'll, we'll do. <laughs> I'll put that on my list. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Well, in closing, everyone, I just want to say that today there are 104,869 men, women, and children who need a life-saving organ transplant. And also today, 21 of those individuals will die because the organ they needed was not available. So what can you do to help? Well, first, if you're not registered, it's really important to seek out the information to learn the truths about organ, eye, and tissue donation. And how can you do that? You can go to our website at lifepassiton.org. You can do your own independent research. There's a lot of great resources out there. And really just learn about what being a donor truly means. There's some fantastic stories on our YouTube channel. I just would encourage you to just get out there and adventurous and just seek out information. And also you can talk with a medical professional about organ donation. You can talk with someone who has gone through the experience. Maybe they are a donor family member or recipient or a living donor or an advocate for someone who's waiting. That's really how we learn as a community. We need to share information. We need to to share our experiences and really just to focus on what the facts are and make an informed decision. You can always register to be an organized tissue donor. You can do that today at lifepassiton.org or registerme.org. And you can also learn about being a living kidney donor. We just talked about that earlier in the show because the vast majority of the patients who are waiting, almost 90,000, are people who need life-saving kidney transplants. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to wish you a happy new year again. And just to remind us to please be kind to yourself and to others. So take care. Have a great day. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By designating your decision to become a donor, you have the opportunity to change the lives of many and save up to eight lives. Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana say yes to donation by registering to become an organ, eye, or tissue donor today. Go to lifepassiton.org for more information. Thanks to LifeSetter for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow. 